Today we're doing some early, very early ADP battles. We've got Doc, myself, and a special guest, Josh Lloyd, will be joining us. Let's go balls deep. Welcome to another episode of the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. FBIBasketball.com is our website. At AdamKing91 on Twitter is where you can find me. Uh, We've got all of our Discord stuff over there. We are in the midst of launching the, what are we calling it, FBI XLOFB World Cup, um, teaming with Josh actually, um, promoting the World Cup, 48 divisions, 12 teams per division, 500-something, 70-something teams, 576, 572. Um, Josh is rounding out his entries. We will be jumping into ours once he is done. I will bring in uh, Doc and I will bring in Josh. Gents, how are we both? Kingy, how are you? Uh, I'm good here. It's two two Aussies, one American. Very uh, very unique. It's usually the other way around. <laughs> it is. We're, we're double teaming you, Steve. Hey, it's okay. Uh, I've I've been on quite a few podcasts. Um, the band Pavement. Um, I was on a, some podcasts with some guys that were in Australia and Scotland, uh, and that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Pretty fun. But uh, this is my first double Aussie dip, I believe. I didn't think we'd be getting a pavement reference this early on, Steve. You're bringing the heat early. You know, I don't play around with pavement. <laughs> I'm not. A th- I'm not afraid to throw it out there whenever. Fair so enough. Er- earlier the better. R.I.P. Gary Young, Pavement's original drummer, passed away yesterday. Uh, kind of big news in the pavement world. Pretty sad, but. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you both know what you're talking about because I have no idea. <laughs> well, I, I I know that Pavement exists and I know that they're like a, a band that has a bunch of like sort of cult following around. I couldn't tell you that I've ever heard of any Pavement songs. I probably have, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Pavement guy. I just know that they're a, a band that has a pretty uh, pretty loyal following. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might be the president of the Pavement fan club. <laughs> I, I did an interview with their lead singer, like 15 years ago that ran on Roto World and it got picked up by Spin and Rolling Stone and um, uh, a, a bunch of huge outlets. And it was, it was pretty exciting stuff for me anyway. <laughs> oh, very cool. And was, was he into fantasy basketball or was this purely non-basketball related? No, he's a big fantasy basketball guy and he was, he was actually maybe as big of a fan of mine as I was of him, mm. which was weird because he was like my hero uh, and still is Malcolm's. Uh So th- that was pretty weird, but we became friends and we play in a lot of fantasy leagues together. I'm in a, a baseball league with him that that's going on right now. So uh, yeah, that's very cool. That's it. Uh, so as I said, we are doing some early ADP battles. Uh, I sent some names across to both guys. Let's bring up who we're, we're doing. So I just based this on our early ADP data. Um, thought I'd pick two players that are who are going around the same area. 
who were in a bit of discussion, and I just thought getting three of us in would at least give us a winner from each of the discussions. The first one, uh, we're going with pick 35, uh, standard kind of draft, nine category. Um, who are we taking first? Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembanyama, both are going around this range. Victor is usually going a little bit earlier. Um, but I thought I'd start with this one, and I'll let the guests go first. Josh, who are you or who would you prefer at pick 35? Um, it, look, it is it is a, a tough one, Kingy, because I honestly don't think there's a huge amount that is separating, uh, separating either of these two guys. Like, I think what the thing you would look at, I guess, is the Thunder are in more of a position to be a playoff team and probably should be a playoff team, whereas I don't think the Spurs are going to get there. So when you're considering the difference between them being marginal, which I think it is, um, even if Vic is a better per-game player, which, again, I probably think he is, I think that the fact that Chet will probably be less likely to sit games in a fantasy playoff setting, um, I'd just give him the nod. I, I don't think there's a huge discrepancy, a big enough discrepancy between the two that I can overlook that tanking uh, issue that might arise for some people's fantasy playoffs. Yes, good, good points. I mean, that's basically my argument as well. Um, Doc, any any different thoughts on this one? I, I think it's a really interesting question, and I like the fact that they're both going to essentially be rookies. Like, we haven't seen them really play in the NBA before. Uh, I have Chet Holmgren as the foundation of one of my dynasty teams. Uh, I have been on the women Yama hype train way before it was a thing. Um, I've seen talk, you know, he's not as good as everybody says he is. I'm not sure I believe any of that. I'm, I'm going to be really torn between picking these two guys. You also have Chet coming off a huge injury, um, kept him out the entire season. You have Wemby playing for Greg Popovich, who is the godfather of load management. And this is their this is their million dollar or billion dollar lottery ticket, I guess you could say. And so they're going to be really careful with him. I think both of these guys could rest equal number of games. To me, it it really is a coin toss. And I'm telling you, if I have the 30 for, 35th pick in back-to-back drafts, in one of those drafts, I'm taking Chet, the other one I'm taking Wimby, and then I'll see what happens. I it truly is a coin toss to me. Uh, I think if I had to do or die with one guy in one draft, I'd probably take Chet. But I can't say that with certainty. I need to see some pre preseason um, and some training camp stuff before I make that decision. But I guess I'll lean Chet, but I it's a coin toss to me. Yeah, I think I lean Chet as well for the reason of the the, fan, the whole fantasy playoff thing. I think uh, Wemby could rest down the stretch. I think Thunder are, are here to win. They're here to try and get into the playoffs this season. So just that, I think that gets me over the, the line. Look, in theory, I mean, around pick 35, what's that? That's the that's on the turn. Would you consider taking both of them? If, if you were picking at 36 and 37, would you take both of them? I, I, don't, I don't see why there would be a problem with that. Like, it's totally okay. I think both of these guys are around this area. I think the ADP is fine for both of them. I also think that if you are setting your playoffs to the right sort of area, I, the 
resting stuff's not as big of a problem. I think there's more likelihood that a four-game week of Wembenyama becomes a three-game week versus complete sitting at that period of the, of the mm-hmm. season. But the difference between these two guys, I, I again, I think that Wembenyama might struggle a little bit with some efficiency early on with his, some of his shooting numbers, and Chet's just had the extra year in an NBA system. But it's I, I can't I'm not gonna get worked up either way about it. I think it's just like oh you got this guy, you got this guy, you take both, you take neither, you take I I don't think there's a definitive right or wrong answer. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably entering year thirty-two of maybe thirty-three of my fantasy basketball career. Um at this point, you know, I'm out there at, I'm I'm playing in industry leagues and and in leagues with guys like you guys i'm more interested in having teams that i really like than i am i'm not really playing in big money leagues so i'm not as concerned about absolutely winning at all costs as i am having teams that i really enjoy managing and throwing out there and if i can get wimby and chet back to back if nothing else, I know that when I do that, it's going to send groans through the chat room and the message board. People are going to be like, no way. He did not just take Chet and Wimby back to back. So if I can pull that off, I'm probably going to do it. Yeah, I think it certainly makes your team a lot of fun. Uh, and and you'll have a lot of blocks, if nothing else. You will. Yeah, and, and nice segue there, uh, Steve. Thank you for that. On to pick 50, talking of blocks. Uh, if we're picking it at 50, who are we preferring or who are we leaning here? Nick Claxton, Walker Kessler. Um, I know Josh's thoughts on blocks and the impact that they have on fantasy values and, and, and overall rankings, that sort of thing. So I'll start with uh, with you, Steve. Who would be your preference here? Well, I've already got blocks locked up with Wemby and, <laughs> and Ched, so I don't really need either one of these guys right now. I know that Adam loves Walker Kessler. I'm guessing Josh is a, in Walker's court as well. Um, I am going to go with Nick Claxton. feel like he's a little more proven commodity. Uh, Kessler was not supposed to be as good as he was last year. Really sets up well for him to being very good this year. But Claxton, what, is entering year four, something like that? Um, shot blocker, just like Kessler is. Plays for the Nets should have plenty of opportunity for the ball. I think it's a great question. It's a good ADP battle. I'm going to go Claxton mainly just because I know Adam's going to go Kessler. I'm going to, I might not go Kessler here. I'm I'm not sure. It's, it's pretty tight for me. And I actually think Josh would might go Claxton, but we'll, we'll find out in a second. I think, I think I'd go Claxton. I, well, firstly, I don't think Kessler would be here. I, I think based on hype, that sort of thing, I think Kessler's going to start going a lot earlier than this. Claxton's pretty underrated. Um, he was he was good. I just I think there's a little more certainty around Claxton. We saw him do it last year. His role won't change. Uh, Nets. Well, I think both teams are probably pushing to get into the playoffs, but. I I might lean Claxton slightly, but I 
I don't know, if, if I was going with what you said before, where, hey, this I just want to have my fun team, I want guys that I enjoy, I'd probably go Kessler. Uh, but if I was playing to win, which, I mean, you're always playing to win, but if it was high money, I'd probably go Claxton as a little bit more of an assured target. Josh, mm. we're, we're split on who we think you're, you're going with here. I yeah, I don't know. Like in in this discussion that you, we're having, I'm sort of I've sort of gone back and forth a little bit on it myself. I you're right about the blocks thing. I think that there it, it really does impact the way that you build a team when you look at a player whose value gets so highly skewed by two categories. Really, like we're talking field goal percentage, rebound oh, three rebounds, field goal percentage, and blocks. Right, and there's a lot of massive negatives like no threes, very low points for a fourth round player or you know close fifth round player. Um, no steals, uh, bad free throw percentage. They're both really bad in that area. It can really impact the way you build your team. And when you focus on these guys, like if you grab these players here and you've grabbed another shot blocker in another round who averages like 16 points, and it's really hard to compete in the points category. So it does influence things quite, quite a bit. I I don't know which way I go. I, th- I think it's actually, Ke- as much as I'm like anti where Kessler is, some people are going like, I'm going to take him round two, which I, I think is crazy. But at this point, I think I will take Kessler. I don't really have any concern over his role or his minutes. I think he's playing minimum, minimum 29 minutes. Um, if not more, I don't, I have zero concern about what his role is um, uh, on the jazz. I, there, I've seen people have discussions about him or he maybe he only plays 23 minutes a night and yeah. they split minutes, which I think is just complete garbage. Maybe it happens. I just see there is no way to me, there is no way that's going to be the case. And I think he can lead the league in blocks. Now I think that that is also, less valuable than a people think it is, but also way less valuable than what it was last season. I think there's a legitimate chance. I don't want to hear you guys thoughts on this. Sorry, as I hijacked the show, uh, King, I reckon there's a chance we can have 16, 16 to 18 players legitimately have a chance of getting close to two blocks a game. They might not, but almost definitely we're going to have nine players blocking two shots per game this season. And that means that those valuations of guys who do get two and a half or 2.6, if there's nine, 10, 12 guys who get two blocks, these guys aren't winning you blocks by themselves, which is an argument that many people tried out, which is untrue. So I think that if I look down the list of guys, tell me, okay, yeah, can I, let's go through these guys. Tell me if you think these guys have a chance of averaging two blocks a game this season. Kessler, all right, yep, I think we'll guarantee mm-hmm. on that one, yeah? Yep. Chet Holmgren, Miles Turner. Just stop me if you think one of them's not true. Chet Holmgren, Miles Turner, Wembenyama, Claxton, Jaron Jackson. Um, Anthony Davis, Brooke Lopez, Daniel Gafford, Mitchell Robinson, Robert Williams, Porzingis, um, Evan Mobley, Gobert. Like, the, I don't see, like, all those guys could very easily get to two blocks per game. And then you get to, like, Embiid, Pirtle, Mark Williams. Like, like, can they get there? Like, maybe. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shot blockers who are going to have big opportunities this season. Yeah, I, I agree. I think most of those guys... Uh, pro- some are more likely than others, obviously, but but there's well, a that, chance they, they um, won't all get they won't all get there. But you know, when you look at like if Gobert was at one point six blocks or whatever last season, like he's been two blocks for game for like six years in a row, like, yeah. we could easily do it again. Like there's no that's not that's not outrageous to suggest that. And I would say that all those guys at least are going to average one and a half a game. Yeah, uh, and to Josh's point, if everybody has a guy on their team coming out of the draft that blocks two shots a game and some guys, three or four guys 
have two of them, then it, it does really change change the way we have to look at blocks because, like you said, in the past, there were only a handful of guys, three or four, mm. that were going to get two blocks a game. And one or two that were going to get three blocks a game. So it, it it is a much more even playing field this year as far as guys who block shots. And you can get Danny Gafford Talk, very yeah. late in your Pick draft. 100. Mm. Yeah, you can get him super late and and get the same amount of blocks from him that you may get from Wembenyama or Chet. So uh, very interesting to think. Of. Maybe that all of this makes point guards who steal the ball and hit threes even more valuable uh, than they were before. Uh, quick, two quick questions. Who's who's the Wizards' backup center? <laughs> uh, is it? Um, it's it's Mike Muscala or uh, Muscala, Anthony yeah. Gill or Xavier Cooks. Like it's nobody. Like yeah, it's no. There's nobody there, right? So Gafford is not going to have anyone challenging him for minutes. It's just going to be injury or foul trouble. But that's to, to talk about that point. But I did this. I did this thing, and I was going to talk about this on my show at some point. But I'll, I'll do it now. I, I did a little study on uh, Jaron Jackson. If you look at him, averaging three blocks per game last season, right? A typical fantasy week, you play four games. That's twelve blocks he gives you a week, correct? Um, the average of blocks per game for a general player across the fantasy league is 0.7 per game. All right. So if you get Jaron Jackson and you have everybody else on your team averaging 0.7 blocks per game, you know, over a standard fantasy week where everyone's playing four games, adding Jaron Jackson to an average block team takes you from 0.7 to 0.8. Like it's not a big, it's not, mm. it look, it's not a gigantic jump. We look at it like, well, that just guarantees you victory. It doesn't really like it's, it's a boost. It's good, but it's not this panacea for like I've got this guy. I don't have to worry about blocks because, as we've discussed, there's mm. lots of other options. And if you don't pay attention to it, well, you've wasted a top twenty pick on a shot blocker who now you're not going to win that category anyway. Yeah, it's interesting because the game. I mean, for me, the game is obviously moving further away from the basket. More three pointers, more perimeter scorers. Yet there's still all these guys getting blocks. So it's. Do you think? I mean, we've got some guards that are good at shot blocking as well, Derek White. Um, do you think that this sort of correlates with the, the I guess, the ability now of centres to guard multiple positions and the need to to do that? So a little bit more athletic than, than what they used to be and they need to be able to guard out on the perimeter a little bit like that? Or is it is it simply just that um, improved athleticism they're able to to block shots that they weren't able to 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I, I also just think it's just like a timing thing is that we've got you know, Kessler playing a full-time starting role. You've got Wembenyama and Chet who weren't in the league last season. You're going to have a full-time starting role for Mark Williams. Um, and that's just four like really top-notch shot blockers who are you know, establishing themselves this year. So it, it just changes, uh, I think, quite a bit about around you know, scarcity and distribution of numbers. I think it's more of, I don't know if there's a play style sort of thing. I just think it's these guys are just here now all coming in at once. And it sort of adjusts a bunch of what happened last season. You also don't know what guys are going to step up and do something they haven't done before. Mm -hmm. Like Brooke Lopez coming out of nowhere two years ago (laughs) and becoming a three point specialist along with blocking shots and, and doing what Brooke Lopez does. And, and Brooke Lopez is another year older. Like, can he maintain this pace? But 
Uh, you know, Wimby's going to shoot threes. There, there's these big men blocking shots and hitting threes now that weren't really there. They used to be an anomaly. They used to be a freak. And now they're not so scarce. They're scarce, but they're not as scarce as they used to be. So I think it, it's changed the landscape of fantasy hoops. And you have to you have to think about that when you're drafting a big man. Uh, ooh, I'm going to get a big man who hits threes. Well, not not as big of a deal as it used to be. Agree. So on to the next one at pick 60, moving away from uh, from bigs and shot blockers. Uh, at pick 60, Josh Giddy, Scotty Barnes. Um, Steve, let's start with you. Who would you prefer here? I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes because we don't have Freddie Van Vliet in Toronto anymore. Uh, Gary Trent's, you know, a 3 and D guy for them, but Barnes is essentially going to have to be the distributor for that team. Giddy is going to have to deal with Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren and a guy named Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like I feel bad for Giddy. I feel like if Giddy was on a different different team and had the keys to the car, um, he would be a triple double Luca Jr. kind of monster. But I don't know that he can do that in the shadow of SGA. So therefore, I'm looking for a bounce back season from from Scotty, who what Scotty missed a lot of games last year. Um, but they need him to be healthy and, and play and, and lead the Raptors this season. So I'm, I'm going to go Scotty. Josh, your rebuttal or non-rebuttal. Um, again, like a lot of these ones, I think it's just relatively close. I think it's it's really, really close in terms of overall value, whether that means anything or not. Um, but I will say this, I think, I think, Giddy was much better than Barnes last season. Um, Steve, you're right that Van Vliet is gone, but Dennis Schroeder's not shy in terms of taking a shot, <laughs> and he's going to be in there uh, as well. And I, I think if they run Barnes full-time as a point guard, it might be the worst half-court offense in the NBA, and we'll see what that ends up. But that, that's bad. And I think Barnes I – don't, I don't think Barnes is a full-time point guard, honestly. I just – think that there are so many struggles with his lack of shooting and so many other things with his game that he can be a really useful player. But I don't think being tasked with that role full-time is going to be all that successful. Um, Giddy, you're right about Jalen Williams, but I also think Giddy's a year and a half younger than Scotty Barnes. And I think that he's going to – I think there's an extra chance for him to, to do more stuff. I think people just automatically – Discount. I've seen some crazy takes about Josh Giddy. I've heard someone talking about him saying, "Well, I think he's more of the four, and he's you know, really not their four of the future. It might be like, uh, might be Poku or someone else." I go, bro, like, what are we doing here? He's like the youngest guy on this team. He's their point guard. Him and Shea Placey have the ball in their hands the entire time. It's it's only them. And while Jalen Williams was really good last season, Giddy's still awesome. And I think that there is a little bit of underrating happening. And I just I don't see gigantic steps back from what he did last season. And I think Scotty needs to jump up to catch up to that area. And I think Giddy can, again, he's not even 21 yet. I think I, I would probably lean him, but I say that I've got them like you know, four or five spots apart. It's not a big, not a big difference. Well, Scotty, Scotty just turned 22, right? He did. Yep. He was so drafted it's, it's like in, a, a year and two months difference between them. He was drafted in 2021. 
So he he has not been in the league very long. They also took him with pick four in that draft. They like Toronto is expecting Scotty Barnes to like take the ball and run with it and kind of become the face of the franchise. Schroeder's gonna be 30 by the time the season starts, I believe. Um so I don't know, man. I I I'm skeptical about Scotty Barnes. I love Giddy's game, man. Giddy uh rostering Giddy the last two seasons was really fun. Thunder were tanking. He was racking up triple doubles. He was flirting with them. Uh, his efficiency really improved. His shooting percentages really improved last mm. season. Uh, Barnes kind of went the other direction, but I still feel like um, I still feel like Barnes has more opportunity than Giddy with all this Jalen and Shea and Chet stuff. But I don't know. That, that's why we're doing this. Um, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with those two guys this season. Yeah, look, I think they're both very close as well. I, I'd probably lean Giddy slightly. Uh, that's probably a bit of an Aussie bias. Uh, and I said it on my show with, with Mitch, I think, on the weekend with Mitch Casey. If you've been watching the Boomers games, which, Josh, you might have been watching them, yeah. it's bad for my fantasy because, because Giddy looks so good. Um, and and you just go, oh, imagine what he can do. He's he's, I mean, he's the pretty clearly the best player on that Boomers squad, I think. Yep. Um, and he, oh, it, it's it's all about offense. Like I think the more the the longer he's in the league, the better he gets. His offensive game is just going to polish. Like we saw those steps last season. If he can progress that even further, start hitting some more threes. He's such a good rebounder for his size. Positionally, he knows where to be to get the boards. He, he just finds himself in the right spot at the right time. He's doing that on the international level, um, it, which is obviously very different. It's FIBA rules, which are different from the NBA rules. But, um, yeah, look, he he looks so good. So I'd probably lean Giddy, um, as I said, a bit of an Aussie bias, and I, and I just think he'd be a lot of fun. I've never had him on a fantasy roster, so I think he'd be really fun to have uh, he is. on my squad. He is. <laughs> uh, maybe we can start a petition to get Giddy to Miami where he could just go <laughs> bonkers. <laughs> that would be uh, – I don't know how that would – I don't think the Thunder is going to do that. I don't know how that, I don't know how that would get, pull that off. I'm just dreaming over here. Um, so on to pick 75, um, a guy that I'm very high on at the moment, um, Markel Fultz and Derek White. Uh, and I know Derek White, probably a guy that's getting a little bit overhyped at the moment and going a little bit early in some spots. Uh, Josh, who would you go with mm. at, at 75? I'm not sure I'd go with either of them at 75, to be honest. Uh, right. but I'm just having, option. I'm just having a, uh, I'm just having a look to find out where I've got. Fultz. Oh, actually, I do have Fultz. Yeah, signif not significantly, but decently above. It's probably the biggest differentiation between these sort of ones that you've given us so far. Where I have Fultz ahead of White. I really like Derek White. People are pretty well aware of that. I think. Um, I also think that people will look at that and go, "Well, he played every game last season." And go, yeah, that's cool. That doesn't mean anything. Like, he's a guy that the number one criticism people had of him is like he can't stay healthy, 
And that doesn't mean that he's going to get hurt or he's not going to get hurt, but it also, yeah, there's no guarantee that he's playing all those games. And yes, he is their starting point guard, but he started 65 or 70 games last season. Not as a point guard. I understand that. Um, I think he's a really good player. I think Michael Fultz is good. I think the difference between the two is I think Fultz is probably better as a median outcome here, right? I think he's probably a better median outcome option, but the problem with Suggs and Anthony and Anthony Black on that team can all sort of push him. And maybe there's a cap on what they do minutes-wise for Fultz, whereas for Derek White, there's no cap. It's Malcolm Brogdon's busted-ass elbow, and it's Peyton Pritchard. Like, there's no there's no one else who, uh, who are pushing him or, or putting a cap on what he does. And that difference between the median outcomes between them um, is probably narrowed because of, because of that fact. I still probably would lean Fultz, but yeah, I, I think it's not uh, it's not something I'm super passionate about either way. I am Derek White all day here. Uh, Mark Fultz, number one overall pick, super bust. Three years of we didn't really know where he was or what he was doing. He's come back, and I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Mark Fultz and what he's done to get back, and it's cool to see him making noise in, in the league as well as fantasy circles um like you said it's crowded backcourt in orlando meanwhile marcus smart is now running uh with memphis with john ja morant taking the first 25 games off that really opens the door for Derek white to to be all world here i just think the the fact that Derek white is such a good rebounder uh and and such um, I, I think he's going to be the third option behind Jalen and Tatum for the Celtics. I, there's a lot of hype about Derek White. He's being overdrafted, sure. But is he? I mean, we won't know. You don't know if a guy's being overdrafted until the season's over and you see what his numbers were. So I am I'm all aboard the Derek White train this season. I'm all faults here. Um, that's again, he's the guy, one of the guys I'm pretty high on this season. A um, little bit of an unknown, I suppose, for Derek White. He's never played more than 30 minutes uh, a night in his career. He's been close. Um, and a bit of a misconception, I think, for me is a slight one anyway, is that people are sort of saying he's going to be starting, he's going to be playing all these minutes. He basically had that role last season, although he didn't start the season as a starter. He would have, I mean, I don't know how many games he did start. I've probably got that here, but it's like he, 70, 70 something or 68. 70. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. So he started 70 games. So he was basically a starter last year. Um, as a starter, he played close to 30 minutes. He'll be over that this year. I think his assists probably go up slightly. Um, mm-hmm. But with Porzingis there, um, I think his other stats probably say, stay relatively the same. So he's probably top 90, um, top 80 for me. But as I said, it is a bit of an unknown because he hasn't played 33 minutes a night. Uh, I just like Fultz. I like his trajectory. I like the way he's been able to transform himself uh, after that really rough start to his career. Um, doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he's efficient enough from the free throw line, good from the field, good assist numbers, good defender. I just I like what he does across the board. Um, so it would be Fultz for me, but yeah, pick 75, I think that's Probably, yeah, slightly high for both. But I've seen White going as early as 50, which is way too early for me. Yeah, I would, I would want nothing to do with that. No. 
Uh, and last but not least, the last pairing I've gone with um, an interesting one. So pick 90, I've gone with Onyeka Kongwu and Clint Capella. Uh, talking of players who could get two blocks a game, <laughs> if if Okongwu somehow got a 28-minute role, I think he would be close to two blocks a game. Um, I don't know if that happens. We None of us know if that happens. But we're seeing – and the reason I did this one was because in your draft that you did uh, – was it yesterday, Josh, the, yeah, the mock yes, draft right. that you did? I yeah. took Okongwu at 82 or 84 or something. Capella went after that. He went at 90-something. 90, 90 um, I was surprised to see that too. Yeah, so that's why I thought I'd do these two here. Um, who would you sort of who who I guess it, who are you taking first? Whether it's pick ninety, pick eighty, pick a hundred, who do you think goes first off the board, Okongwu or Capella? Um, I've only literally that mock draft that I did yesterday was the only mock draft that I've done so far. So I, I was surprised to see Okongwu off the board because I don't think people saw people could look at ranking numbers of Okongwu right, and he was like what, top forty, whatever it was. Uh, after Quinn Snyder took over. But he also played fewer minutes. He played like 19 minutes a night. Snyder actually reduced his playing time rather than bumping it back up. And he, he got to that number by just an out-of-control block rate and I th- think shot 91% from the line during that period, which, again, I'm probably not going to rely upon. I have always pushed back on the idea that they're trading Capella in season. I think this is the season that there is more of a chance of that. It uh, doesn't mean it's going to happen. And Okongwu, I don't think, has, is going to beat him out for the starting spot opening night. Okongwu clearly has more upside there. And again, we'll be looking at guys who are in a pretty similar pretty similar zone. Um, I don't have too much of a problem with Okongwu. It's, the upside is higher. And when we're getting to this period in the draft where you've got to pick, what, 90, so you're talking... Work around eight, round nine, around that sort of area. Um, I am sort of working more on this theory this year. There's that like each round that you push forward into the draft, you're just wanting to search for more rounds of upside. Whereas round one, two, three, I don't really care. Like I don't expect a guy from round three to come round one. I don't think that really is what wins it, but it's you get a guy in round nine or 10 who becomes round four. That's probably more likely. And if I had to choose between the two of these, which you are making me do, the guy who's got more of a chance of being a top 50 sort of player is is a Kongwu. So even if, again, we talk median outcomes, if it's way more likely that Capella plays 28 and a Kongwu plays 20, that's fine. But if it doesn't go that way, then a Kongwu is going to give me more value, I think, as a as an upside play to actually get me to win the league. Capella had that huge season in 2020, 21, yeah. uh, 15 points, 14 boards, two blocks. I was getting uh, instant messages, texts, everything else from Jared Johnson at Roto World every night. Like all these L's and all these A's. And and he was just like, this guy's carrying my team. I love him so much. He's just, he's a monster. And and there's no reason that anyone should have passed on him in the third round. Well, after that, those numbers went down to 11 points and under 12 rebounds. Last year, we were at exactly 12 points, 11 rebounds. The blocks had fallen off. Um, yep. He was at two blocks three years ago. He was at 1.3 and 1.2 over the last two seasons. That is a direct result, I think, of a Kongwu being there. Um, not to mention the fact that he's pushing 30 years old 
And Clint Capella was never exactly an all-star to begin with. I'm with a, Josh, man. I, a, bunch I think, of, a bunch of foot problems as well, Steve. Like yeah. He's had all these foot and Achilles issues. And as you get older, it is harder to block shots. And I just think that that foot, which has bothered him three years, I'm not sure it's coming back. And we've seen big men, Yao Ming, Ilgaskis, et cetera, et cetera, Bill Walton. Like foot problems are not good for seven guys mm. who are seven feet tall. And so I, I'm just all about the youth movement here. I don't know that a is going to start over Capella, but I'm more comfortable having a Kongu run out there for, you know, 76 games this season than I am seeing what Capella is going to do. I, I like a Kongu here. Yeah, I like a Kongu and, and obviously I do. I took him ahead of Capella. Um, it's also the fact that he's an 80% free throw shooter. For me, That's a, it's, it's not a huge difference, but it makes a difference. Um, Capella's 55, 60, Okongwu's 80. Um, he's 53% career. 53. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a that's a big deal, actually. Yeah, and I think Okongwu's floor is relatively safe. With, in 22, 23 minutes, he's, he's going to return value at least – if you pick him at 90, he should be top 90. Um, so, yeah, I, I prefer that. And, no, I do think those foot issues for Capella are, have to be an issue. Um, he's more – he is he seven foot? How tall is Capella? I think no, if he like was like 6'10", six, 6'11". Six, six, yeah. like so, so he's not your Wembenyama. He's not your Brooke Lopez, who's seven foot two, and, and they rely a little bit. He relied on his quickness and athleticism, and, and you take that foot away and that – that takes that element of his game away or reduces it at least. So, um, yeah, look, I still think Capella starts. Um, maybe he gets traded, but uh, it's a Kongwu for me just because of the upside there, I think. Um, mm. And that was all I had. We only did five. I thought that would be enough, and that's taken us to, to close to 40 minutes. So um, I'll bring us all back on. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Uh, that was good. It is still very early. I mean, take take all of this with a grain of salt. We've still got, uh, what have we got, two months till the start of the, the season. So Yeah, almost exactly two months. Yeah, so so still quite a while. Well, let, let me ask you a question since we have an extra minute to burn here. I, I have two questions, actually. Would either one of you ever consider taking anyone besides Jokic at number one? And two, what are we doing with James Harden? Um, would I consider someone else at number one? No, but do I think that I, I don't think Jokic is necessarily going to finish at number one? But like I said earlier, Steve, I, I'm I'm not sure I care. Like if Jokic I take at one and he finishes three, oh well, well who cares? <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't actually matter, right? If he finishes right. at five, it also doesn't matter. Like that doesn't win or lose you anything. If he suffers a season-ending injury, well, what the hell can I do? Like I can't do anything about that. I think that. There's a massive chance that he doesn't finish at one, and it also does not matter in a single way, unless you're just trying to do something a little bit different. I don't really see why. Like the the payoff for taking Embiid at one and he finishes at one, what does it get you? Nothing. Like bragging rights? I don't think it actually does anything to help your team. Yeah, look, I think Jokic is number one for me. Um, alluding to or, or going back to what, what you said earlier, Steve, is if you are in it for fun like to me Jokic is pretty boring i mean he's so good that boring. he's boring Bro, what are you talking about not not boring to watch <laughs> i just mean from in terms of fantasy 
you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, I always like upside and always like, so I could see like going, taking, well, I know you, Steve, you might go Luca at number one if you had number one. Um, so I could see taking someone else, but Jokic is going to go number one. He's very solid. And, and as you said, Josh, I mean, if he if he gets a season-ending injury, nothing you can do about that. But he's not going to be the 15th-ranked player. He's too good. Like, there's no well, way he falls that far. And even if, I'm, even if I'm just playing for fun, I'm still taking Jokic, number one. <laughs> uh, now, now, maybe a league that's with my hometown – hometown boys or whatever i i could see the fact that i've taken luca number one every year for the last five years i could see me doing it again there but i i i would never coach or tell anyone to take anyone other than Jokic at number one like, mm. it's it's a done deal i also don't think it matters that much steve like uh, while i say that like if you take him at one he doesn't finish at one, it doesn't matter if you take him beat at one or you, you take Doncic at one or you take somebody else at one I, I don't think it matters i don't think it actually impacts you significantly in terms of how your team is going to look like i don't i don't think there's again i'm, I'm just more and more leaning into the idea that like those first round picks well they're great and those people are important on your team i, I don't think it actually shapes whether you win or lose yeah well it doesn't if they if they do what they're supposed to do and they if it, you take a guy at one, he finishes four. You take a guy at four, he finishes at three. Like, those don't matter. But there have been guys taken in the first round that that really didn't do what they were supposed to do. But like like you said, it doesn't happen that, that often that you get a guy. And if he does bust out, it's because of a, a season-ending injury or whatever. So, um Essentially, what you're saying is the first round does not matter. Uh, it's not that it doesn't matter. I think that relatively versus the focus that we put on it, it's not that important. Like, yes, you, you're right. Guys might not end up being first round guys. They might not do what you expect. But but let's think about the guys who are in that area. Like, is Steph going to average 19 points a game and play 25 minutes? Like, no, he's not unless he gets hurt. Or he's, um, is Doncic all of a sudden going to, be the third option on this team as Josh Green blows up. Like, of course not. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, they're just going to do what they do. It's going to be marginal changes in, in their production. And that's why I'm a little bit more skeptical on someone like Shea, who took such big, big steps forward last season. But may maybe he doesn't continue quite at that level. I still think he's you know, relatively useful there. But the reason that they would lead to that level is if it's an injury that happens. And I can't yeah. tell you that that's going to happen or not. So I don't think it's not important and it's fun. They're the best players in the NBA and they're the best players in fantasy basketball. But the time that we focus on what are we doing at pick one or what are we doing at pick four is it just it's the importance of it overall is doesn't equal the amount of time that gets spent on it. And on the, the second part of Doc's question there, the James Harden part of it, um, Josh, what what are we doing? Like again, it's early. We don't even know what's happening. But um, I've seen him starting to slide a little bit in drafts. Mm. Do you think that's going to happen until we get some certainty? Look, Arden led the league in assists last season. I think that no matter what happens, he's not going to. I don't think he's going to not play this season. But 
again, we don't know at this point. I wouldn't want to take him in the first round. I would think that we're looking more towards end of the end of the second round. I think is a, a pretty fair area there for him, but there is a level of uncertainty um, regarding what's what's happening with him, which does make you a little bit scared off. And until we get some more resolution on that, I probably would let someone else do that. Unless yeah, then if, if he starts falling into the third round, then I go okay, well I'll take a chance on that then. Mm. But overall, I think he's probably going to be a second round sort of a player. We just we just don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be like he doesn't play until February or something like that. Yeah, I think I'm in the camp of I'm going to let somebody else take that flyer on James Harden this year. And I, I did that a couple of years ago when he was flaking out in Houston, right? Like he was he was fat James, fat beard in, in training camp and played his way right out of there. And it, it he, he turned it on and came on, you know, as the season progressed, but and games played are so important in this load management era. And I'm just, I am not messing with James Harden. I'm going to let somebody else draft him. Even if, even if he falls to third or fourth round. Do you think there's a chance? So I know with both him and, and Damian Lillard, there's the, the whole trade thing is up in the air. What's happening. We don't know. Um, Lillard. I think there's a chance he plays. If he doesn't get traded, I think he just plays for Portland and they see what happens. Do you think the same can be said for Harden, given all of the stuff that's happened with Daryl Morey and the, the animosity, that sort of thing? And I mean, Philly, I think, have come out and said they're going to they're planning on bringing him back at the moment. But do you think there's a situation here where Harden doesn't play, like he just doesn't suit up for Philly? Is, is that a possibility? I I don't really think that's that it's a huge, like, look, we're two months away, right? Mm. People say stuff and time heals all wounds to a degree. Um, It's in Harden's best interest to actually play to show that, you know, he is still worthy of a contract next season or is still worth acquiring. Like the bloke's changed his mind so many times in his life. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that what he tells us here on August 20th, or, you know, whatever it was last week when he said that thing, he's never playing for Del Roy. Like, is he going to have the same opinion on October the 20th? Like, look, judging by his history, no. Like, you know, he was trying to get a max deal from the Rockets at Christmas, and then that didn't happen. And, like, it's all over the place. I, I, It's really hard for me to think that what he is saying right now is what he's going to be thinking by the time camp rolls around or he gets in there or he chats with Daryl or his agent says something. Who knows? There's just too many things there that I don't think it's a likely scenario that he doesn't that he doesn't play. Like, could he be annoying and play with no effort? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But it's, it is also getting into a situation where the block's 33, 34. And if he starts doing that, other teams are going, why, why, why mm. would I want him here? Like if, if anything can change like that and he's going to half-ass it, I don't want him here. And so I think that something might, might actually click in his head that that might be a problem. Well, the first thing I learned is that I need to start calling James Harden a bloke because I've never heard him referred to as a bloke before tonight and and i love it that is fantastic you know i i think that what harden came out and said in china was so uh lying in the sand ish that i don't think he plays a game for philly and i don't know when he's gonna play again so i'm not touching james harden I'm just not doing it. And you you might be right. Maybe maybe time heals all wounds, but 
I don't know. He seems to really, really hate Daryl Morey. I'm guessing Daryl Morey sort of hates James Harden. And I don't I don't see it. I don't see that bloke suiting up for Philly anytime soon. I I there's a chance that, but I also just don't think he's not going to play. I think that yeah, yeah, I just, well, even, even if it is, it's it's a very small amount of time. I just think that it's it's just not something that's likely to. Well, when's the last time we actually saw someone sit out? It was it was Ben Simmons, but that was also a very very different scenario. Yeah. Uh, I think um, it just they just sit out. Like Kevin Durant came back and said, "Look, I'm yeah, fire these guys," and they went, "No," and he went, oh, "Okay," and they came back and played. Yeah, yeah, things changed five months later, but he came back and played, and it was great. Um, so I don't know. Obviously, those guys are built different as well to each other. But that was Katie. That was yeah, Katie. They're, they're, they're different. I, I know that, but I, I don't know. I just I find it. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. I just find it hard to believe that he's just not going to play. I don't yeah. have confidence in it, but I, I find it hard to believe that will happen. Jay Crowder did it. <laughs> I forgot about that one. But I also I also think the Suns were like. Cool, bro. We, we, Who don't cares? Actually, yeah. we don't actually care. Like, see you later. <laughs> no, no, a little bit, little bit different. Um, I only I wrote about him this morning. That's why I remembered that. Um, it's so irrelevant that I completely forgot that that happened. Yes, he is. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's not. Yeah. Uh, so that will uh, we'll, we'll round it out there. Um, before we jump off, Josh. I mean, I know you've got a lot going on. You've just wrapped up your team previews. What's what's sort of on the cards for the next? Two, three weeks? Oh, probably. Oh, that's a good question. Probably some mock drafts coming. Um, I would say that's happening. And then we start to dive into yeah, looking at ADP data and rankings across sites and yeah, yeah, a bit of that stuff. And then uh, positional tiers and things like that will start cracking on. Yep. Always stuff happening over there. Um, thank you for taking some time on a on a uh, Wednesday morning to jump on. Um, Doc. Thank you, as always, for finding the time late in the evening over there and, and coming on. Um, we'll be back next week, same time. Don't know what we'll be talking about yet. We'll figure that out during the week. Uh, that will do it for today's show. Uh, remember, you can check out all of our content over at fbibasketball.com. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. That would be fantastic. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.